Jackie Tan and welcome to the Bodies Built Better podcast. On the show, we chat with experts, athletes, coaches and authors to educate and inspire you. We explore the body's incredible ability to heal, adapt and evolve so you can crush limitations, reconnect your body and mind and discover your extraordinary potential. Today on the show, I chat with physiotherapist Patrick O'Leary. Now, I could rattle off Patrick's very, very long list of accreditation and professional development, but the list is so, so long, I won't do that to you. But if you're interested, just head over to Adelaide Advanced Physiotherapy and you can check out that massively long list yourself. But That is actually a really great testament to him and his commitment to his clients and profession. Not only, in my opinion, is Patrick one of the best physiotherapists going around, but he's also a really great guy who genuinely wants to give the absolute best treatments and outcomes to all of his clients. And to back that up, I'm always asking my clients who they want to hear from on the show. And so many have said Patrick. So there you go. Not only is he helping clients feel better, move better and live better. He's so good at it. Clients actually want to know how he helps us achieve all of that. So what better way than to pick his brain on the podcast? And that's what I did. So we chat about pain, identifying the cause. We talk overuse injuries in cyclists, managing injuries. We talk technique and what you should know. And so, so much more. So I'm going to stop rambling on here. You're going to love this episode. So here we go. Enjoy this episode with Patrick O'Leary. Patrick, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you give us a little bit of a background on you and why physiotherapy? Yeah, sure. So, well, thank you, Jackie. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm, a, so I'm, a, I'm a physio in, in uh, private practice um, in Adelaide, in the city of Adelaide, where um, this practice is called Adelaide Advanced Physiotherapy. We deal primarily with uh, active people, motivated, often gym gym going people as well, or people that are um, you know quite into their their sports. Um, work with five other physios there, and I guess we have a bit of a not not unconventional, but we we sort of we we try to look at lots of different things at, in that practice there, from a like a musculoskeletal sense or, or other systems. Um, we get people out of the gym, we get people lifting, um, on bikes, on, uh, on the treadmill. So we're trying to, you know, do a lot of movement assessment. Uh, we take some exercise classes as well or movement classes. And yes, I guess, I guess we try to be as progressive in the physio world as, as we can be. And for me, it took me from a, like personally to get to physio as well. Like it took me a little while to get there. I had a few attempts at uni courses, I finished school and wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And. So I to our careers guidance counsellor and, and there was a new degree, arts and science, it was a double degree and said, oh, you know, that's good for people that aren't really sure what they want to do. So I did that for a semester at Adelaide Uni and, and left there because I didn't really, I didn't like the, how general it was. And then I signed up for commerce and health science at Flinders the year after and started that for a year. And I didn't really like the commerce side of things and I didn't think I really want to be sitting at a desk, but I enjoyed the physiology and the anatomy of, um, of the health science degree. And then the year after I applied for physio and got into that and and that was it really four years of that and 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 here we are now i really like how you've said that adelaide advanced physio is very progressive so what does that actually mean and and what is your approach and and philosophy to treating people yeah i guess i mean i say progressive but i don't think we we, i mean we shouldn't really be the exception to the rule but but i guess from feedback from other people you do hear that um, perhaps at times there are people that um, aren't, or the people aren't sort of looked at really as a, as a whole person. And I think that's one thing that we, we really try and do. Um, and, and we, you know, all physios really should be doing these days is, is sort of tr- treating the whole person and, and I guess assessing that person as a whole and, and not really just physically speaking, but um, in terms of everything really going on in their life. So there's a we talk about this sort of biopsychosocial approach, so um, factoring in sort of the, bi- the biological um, side of things, which is you know what's happening in the, the issues in the tissues we often talk about. But um, 
but certainly, you know, from, you know, psychologically, what, what's happening in their life and, and socially, what's happening in their life? What are the other stresses or stress ores that have kind of led them to this point? Um, you know, how are their relationships at home, at work? Do they have, you know, are they getting enough rest or recovery? What's nutrition like? Those sorts of things. So I guess we, um, in that sense, we try and look at that person as, as a whole. We also, you know, certainly acknowledge that we, um, you know, we only know so much about, about these other things. So we, we, we could flag them. We might chat to the person and say, oh, look, you know, maybe, maybe this could be a, a contributing factor to your, you know, to your pain and to your presenting experience. So maybe we need to see someone else. Maybe, you know, you can see a psychologist. We see a nutritionist, um, et cetera. So again, from, from that aspect, we, from this, I guess, more the psychosocial aspect, we, we take all those things into account or try to take those things into account. Um, and, and, and more physically or, bi- you know, biologically, we, we certainly, we've got, you know, a lot of time and we take a lot of interest in, uh, in the joints, you know, the muscles, the bones, the ligaments and whatnot, the tendons. But also we, we, we try and have a look at other systems of the body. So we know the body doesn't work, you know, just like the muscle is not just a muscle by itself there. It's got blood supply to and from. It's got the lymphatic system that helps to clear it. It might um, have a relationship to um, to an organ's function as well. So we, you know, using different, I guess, uh, assessments, we have a look at, um, at, at, different, at different systems really. And so we might think, oh, okay, well, this person's, you know, got this nasty inflammatory condition going on. And, but why isn't that getting better? And is it maybe that, the, you know, the, the, the blood flow in or the blood flow out, it's, it's not as uh, efficient as it could be. Is the drainage system, so the lymphatic system, is that not working as well? Um, yeah, so I guess, I guess just looking, I guess, a bit, a bit beyond, again, not, not sort of in an alternative way, but more in a, I guess, less conventional way than I suppose we were taught um, at uni. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and when you're talking, I mean, you just mentioned like all of these systems here. Um, as a client or as someone who's experiencing pain, like how do we even know where to start or how often is, is the pain actually the problem? Yeah. Um, almost never, I suppose, or almost never, I should say, the pain, you know, the, the, the site of pain perhaps is the cause. Um, you know, pain is a pretty good indicator something's going on or something's wrong, but it certainly doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't tell us what it is. Um, I, I, I do really like the thought, and I, and I think this is the case for, for a lot of presentations, that the, um, the majority of the time, the thing that kind of is, is broken or damaged or irritated or inflamed is often working too hard. So it's, it's been overloaded because X, Y or Z elsewhere is not pulling its weight. Um, and this is more, I guess, in a muscular sense um, in it, or a stability sense. Um, or there might be issues, again, with um, other systems around there. And then this, this, this poor structure is now complaining and it's breaking down or it's, you know, it's giving you grief, it's irritating you, it's make, you know, making you sore in the morning when you get up or uh, not allowing you to you know, reach up to grab something off the top shelf. Um, but again, usually it's, it's, it's not that thing that's the cause. And so... You do see a lot of people that, we, you know, we, we always encourage people to try and sort, them, sort themselves out and, and we typically, I guess, see people when they get to that point where they can't manage their, their pain or their dysfunction, but a lot of people will um, target that sore area. So they've got a, you know, sore, a sore shoulder or sore something, you know, something there and they'll, they'll be rolling that, they'll be... Um, trigger pointing it, they'll be doing whatever to it locally and it might give them short-term relief which is fantastic and that's good and it's a good managing tool but if those things keep coming back i guess you want to sort of be asking the question you know what what else could be driving this um you know like why why does this thing like i can make a change to it locally or i can make a change by, by fiddling around with that structure but is there something perhaps bigger or further away or on the other side of me that's um actually causing that irritation in the first place mm, so as an athlete or as someone who wants to be proactive in keeping fit, strong, healthy, how, how do we take ownership of that? And how do you start to identify what the cause of the pain is? Where it's mm. from? Well, you've got to find yourself a good physio. You've got no clue. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Find yourself a good physio. That's a, uh, that's a good start. But in terms of, um, I guess, isolating it yourself, I mean, 
it's it's difficult. You know, we, we talk a lot about people's intrinsic body awareness or, you know, like you get people that have really good awareness and you'll be treating something somewhere on them or, or you'll, you'll point something out and say, oh, oh yeah, you know, I've, you know, perhaps thought it was coming from there or I had a fiddle with that area and I didn't, you know, it, it, I didn't really know what to do, but I thought it might have been linked to my to my shoulder. I guess the thing is, I mean, if, if you're doing things, something, you know, again, if you're doing some stretching or some rolling or, or whatever the case may be, um, self-massage and, and it's, it doesn't change, you know, there's no, there's no harm in doing just something else. Um, we, 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 we see common patterns in the room of, um, you know, if something on, something on the back of you is hurting you, often there's something restricted on the front. This, this is sort of very, very general. Um, if there's, I mean, and, and if we think muscularly as an example, you might have a, um, uh, an issue with one of the muscles of the shoulder, like the ro- one of the rotator cuff muscles, and that might relate to some tightness in the chest. And that's a pretty sort of straightforward example. Um, and so whilst you've been rubbing the back of the shoulder and it gives you some help, maybe if you, you know, have a go at the front of the chest, maybe that would give you more relief. Um, that person, you know, maybe that doesn't work. Maybe you go, okay. And another thing we commonly see is, um, a relationship between one upper limb. So sort of shoulder, neck, elbow, wrist on that side. And commonly, again, not always, but commonly an instability in the opposite lower limb. So they might have an issue from a stability point of view, uh, with a, a hip, a glute, a knee, a foot on the opposite side. So can you do something maybe to that side on the opposite side of you? And does that have an effect on the shoulder? So um, you can have things that are, you know, two, three, four steps removed from the actual site that's bothering you, almost a bit of a, a cascade that's occurred. Um, and you may not be aware of these other spots, which again, sort of does make it tricky to, to find, these, uh, find these things yourself. But certainly... I think, you know, quite reliable, you know, comparisons of side to side. So if I've got a left shoulder and I program my right glute and it's really sore, maybe, and, and the left glute isn't, maybe, maybe there is a relationship there. Have a bit of a roll there, have a stretch. Does that change my shoulder range or my shoulder pain? Okay, well, maybe we're onto something there. Um, and yeah, and just, yeah, I mean, it's really, it's really difficult, especially when you're working away from painful sites to, um, to sort of do much damage if it's not already irritated tissue. I think you're more likely to, um, stir yourself up more by targeting the the painful site itself, and this is something that physios, you know, we used to do. There'd be lots of sort of frictioning of um, and, and you know massage over these these sore spots, mm. um, and you might be able to get a, a small change or a change in the room, and you might say, oh yeah, that's good, you know, that's got a bit more range. But um, often that person, you know, that, later that day, the next day is a bit a bit more flared up, and really you've just had some short term changes that haven't um, haven't carried over in the longer term. Yeah, cool. So. So as someone who, who wants to look a little bit further into it, maybe, so what you're saying is look at the opposing structures to, to where the pain is at. Yeah, commonly, Simply yeah, again, for sure, yeah. So, yeah, so if, you know, if, if again, very general comment, but, you know, if we've got, yeah. if, if something on the front or back of you is, is hurting, have a look at the opposite side and, mm. and, you know, structures around there. If something on the left um, upper body is hurting, have a look at the right lower body. When you first answer you said find yourself a good physiotherapist when should you actually see a physio like you're experiencing this pain and and i know a lot of athletes you know they they train through pain and sometimes it gets better sometimes it goes away and then sometimes it doesn't at what point when you know when you're feeling this pain or something niggling at what point should you see a physio yeah i mean that that in itself i think is, is a real personal um I guess personal choice or personal question. You know, people will tolerate certain degrees of pain. Um, you know, I mean, I would say I, I would kind of advocate er, always for physio earlier rather than later. Like, it's a lot easier to get on top of things um, before they're too. In, I guess before movement patterns have changed, before the um, injuries become too ingrained and your body's become too protective of it. Certainly, I mean, at an athlete level, like if we're seeing a uh, reduction in performance. Um, you know, inability to kind of yeah train perhaps train other parts of your body as well because of this other thing, um, that would be a time to come in. I think again, most people they do come in when they just they they can't manage it. And for someone that might be because they can't pick up their child from the you know they can't or they can't play with their child on the ground or can't pick them up. Someone else might be because they can't uh, you know, sprint. They can they can they're running eleven second ten meters now, so hundred meters sorry, instead of ten seconds. You know those sorts of big big differences, but. Um, 
yeah, it's, it's, again, it's really up to the individual, but I, I always think it's so much easier to get on top of things and um, I guess almost try to optimise that person earlier rather than later. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but there's certainly, I guess, some, I suppose on that, on that there's some, certainly characteristics perhaps of pain, on the type of pain that make us go, yeah, okay, probably stop training on that. So when you're getting like sort of sharp pain, stabbing pain, like people often describe sort of lanceating or, um, you know, like those sort of hot pains often, they're, they're things where like, yeah, okay, this body's, it's really letting you know that um, you're probably doing a bit too much on it. Mm, something needs to change. That's exactly right, yeah, and that's exactly right. So that's what we kind of think of pain is more a, a signal for change. Um, yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean there's anything wrong, um, but it might mean there is going to be something wrong soon if you mm. don't listen or don't change. Yeah. yeah. So you're a keen cyclist, is that right? I, I am a keen I am a keen casual cyclist. So I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a weekend cyclist to get the get the lycra on and get out there. All right. Well, for the cycling novice, what should they know before jumping on a bike? Is there like a checklist of safety measures, so to speak? Definitely. So helmet first. We've got to have the helmet. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, not overly, really. I mean, it depends on the, the type of cycling they, um, you know, they're, they're, I guess, intending on doing so and the type of bike they've got. So I think firstly, firstly, you've got to have the right bike. Um, uh, I mean, the right bike geometry for you, really. So there are lots of different, if we're even just looking at, say, um, road bikes, we see fairly road cyclists uh, in the clinic. If we're looking at road bikes, even amongst the road bike sort of family, there are a lot of different, uh, de- I guess, degrees of aggression of geometry. So some frames will put you in a, um, you know, quite a sort of a, a pro position. So often there's the stem or the front of the bars, that you know, they're quite low, the saddle's often quite high. Um, and this comes about because of the, the shape of the frame. Not that those things can't be modified either. Um, and you know, with with, with a, a more of like a flat bar commuter, um, again, the, those the, the the fit is more relaxed, but they can still be um, too big, too small. The modifiable things like saddle height, saddle forward back, um, handlebar position, they can also be sort of a bit off as well. So there are some. You can find you can find some pretty general guidelines on the internet, re really how to um, how to fit a bike to you, and also you can find there are some good measures um, again online. We've got some on our website where you can do some calculating of your anatomy, and then go into a bike shop and if you're looking at getting a new bike and saying, okay, this is the sort of size of, of bike I need, or the the appropriate stack and reach, which are just two measures that are quite consistent across frames. Um, that I that I need. You know, this is sort of my optimum one for my body type. Um, but yeah, certainly, you know, from a we've got to get the, the the right size frame, the right type of geometry frame, and then the um, and then the fit we want to be reasonable as well, because otherwise, often you know, often what we what we see in the clinic when people bring their bikes in for bike fits is the fit is often it's resulted in some sort of um, some sort of injury. And if someone is keen to do both sort of mountain biking and then they like, you know, riding on the flat and they've got more of a racer, mm-hmm. the the fitting will be different or will it be the same for both bikes? Not not overly, yeah. So it, it would the things like saddle height, saddle forward back will be very similar. Um, likely just again, just because of the geometry of, of really more the handlebar setup and the reach, um, that that in itself would be quite different. So depending on the person and also, you know, it really depends on what their uh, physical, I suppose, abilities are, like how, you know, how bendy they are in the spine, um, you know, what sort of hip, hip, what hip mobility they've got, what sort of strength they've got, how stable they are, et cetera. That will sort of all dictate how, we, how we'd set them on the bike. But, but typically you could have, you could expect to um, share measurements across the two frames from a saddle sort of height and forward back position um, but the handlebars might be in a different spot. Yeah. And speaking of uh, mobility, mm-hmm. what are some common overuse injuries that you, that you see from, from cyclists? Cyclists, yeah. So probably the um, – good question. It'd either be knee or low back would be the, the primary complaint. So we're thinking, again, we, the majority of, of cyclists we do see are, are road cyclists. So they might spend – Oh, anywhere from you know one to four or five hours out in the saddle, 
um, often often in, a, in one of two positions, either on the hoods or in the drops, sometimes sort of up on the, um, the top bar or just, you know, resting on top there. But, um, yeah, certainly we'd see low back and, and knee pain, usually front of knee pain, anterior knee pain. We do at times see um, neck complaints, um, pin, not often mid-back. Mid-back's often okay. Uh, pins and needles tingling um, in the hands or the feet as well. And, and, and those sorts of injuries or those sorts of complaints do, do have a lot of the time a relatively, um, a relatively predictable or, or at least you can get, like when you're sort of talking to someone that, you know, they're getting X, Y, Z on the bike and you often then will predict that, okay, that saddle's probably too high, too low, too far forward or the reach is too great um, or whatever. And so I guess the common thing from a low back point of view, if the saddle was in the right the right position, often the reach is too great. So maybe the stem, so the part that connects sort of from the, the front fork to the handlebars, um, that might be too long or it might be positioned too low. So that person has to flex their spine too much to get down there, resulting in low back pain. Um, a lot of the time with the anterior front of knee pain, we see a, a person's saddle is too low or too far forward and essentially puts them in a real sort of hamstring, so back of their leg dominant position and the muscles on the front of the leg, so the quads, have to work a lot harder because there's a lot more knee bend that those, I guess, muscles have to work from because the, the muscles in the front of the leg straighten the knee. So if you've got lots of knee bend, a lot more knee bend, these guys are working overtime to try and go from a bent to straighter position. Um, and conversely, and not, not nowhere near as common, um, but if your saddle's too high, um, often that person will have sort of from a knee point of view anyway, um, posterior or back of the knee pain. Um, similar, I guess, with neck as well. If they're too, if they're in too aggressive a position, that might be frame or it might be fit related. Um, and they've got to, and, and perhaps down in the drops or on the lower part of the handlebars, and they've got to look up against a, um, a tighter mid-back. Um, and again, maybe positional related, then that, that often those necks will complain. Um, but again, this is, you know, there are often, a lot of physical factors of that person as well. So it may not be the bike fit, which is, I guess, why we take into account, okay, well, you know, how does this person move? How, you know, what are their imbalances and, and how can, how can you customize for that? So you wouldn't say, oh, that, that bike's too low for, for that, for you or for anyone, because someone can get into that position. And if you look at sort of the you know, professionals and the, the aggressive positions they can get in versus probably someone like myself, where I prefer a more relaxed fit on my road bike, um, you know, I just couldn't be down there all day in the drops with um, yeah, with saddle that high and bars that low. With those 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 pain symptoms, whether it's knee, back, or neck, mm-hmm. um, would you typically look at the bike fit first? Um, no, I'd look at the person first, really. So I'd, you know, and, and so these, these things may not be bothering off the bike. It might just be because they sit on there for four hours. Yeah. And that's enough stress on that system to, you know, for it to complain. So, um, no, I mean, a lot of the time, a lot of the time we see there is a physical, you know, usually a combination of two things. So something's happening in their body plus the fit has led them to go, okay, I've got pain, so now I'm going to do something about it because. I think any, any cyclists would notice when you're out there, like there are so many, so many people not well positioned on bikes, mm. but not everyone's getting a bike fit, not everyone's complaining. So we know that, you know, we can, we can have a really bad bike fit and no dramas with that person's body. Or, you know, conversely, we can have a fantastic bike fit and, and the actual geometry and everything, it's all set up perfectly, but because of a poor hip stability on one side then when they power down on the opposite side that knee starts to uh, give them grief because they're not operating from a stable base of that opposite hip so um yeah i i i think yeah certainly the, the more important thing really is getting that person right first and then um and then often there is a correlation between their symptoms and their fit but um you wouldn't do one without the other you wouldn't say okay well now your fits right off you go because you've sort of already done half the half the job you'll sort of leave that person hopefully with some strength um strength suggestions or stretches or whatever the case may be um or get in touch with their pt and get them to work on something else yeah and so how do you prevent those injuries as as someone who may be getting started getting into it Hmm. do you go well look at this hip stability or whatever it is um Hmm. and do this many 
exercises this many times and uh, and then get on the bike? Or is it a matter of get on the bike, see what hurts, and then address that? <laughs> um, it's, a re- it's a really good question. Um, I... It, it, I mean, it tends to, for most people, it does tend to be more the latter. So, you know, not many, and, and this is not just on the bike, but just in, I guess, life in general, like people tend to go, oh, I'm, I'm assuming everything's functioning well, which is a fair assumption. So we shouldn't, we shouldn't think otherwise. Um, but then I'm going to do something and now it starts to hurt. So um, we do, we do see, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a tough question. So like, like I was saying before as well, like if we have, you might have a big, uh, you know, peak instability one side, you know, one leg does 25% of the work, the other does 75%. And you may never have any dramas with that. And that might, you know, you might go your whole life and, and it may never be an issue at all. Um, for someone else, they're on the bike for 20 minutes and they, you know, they can't walk for the next few days because of that imbalance perhaps. Um, so I guess, you know, yeah, certainly from a, cycling is from a strength or power point of view, predominantly glutes down. But we don't discount things like back support and trunk support. So things like your lats, things like I guess what would traditionally be called your core muscles, um, for holding your spine in a good position, which also allows then the lower leg muscles to work better. So you could do things like um, have a look at how you, if you're in the gym, you know what sort of if you're isolating quads and hamstrings with leg extensions or, or leg curls, um, single leg squats. You can see what's my quality like, you know, one side to the other. Perhaps that's something. I could work on. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say don't ride until you've got that even. But it might just be. You know, it's something that's going to be good for your life anyway. It doesn't not necessarily just for the bike, but those sorts of things are. are I guess what we see um, often contribute to a lot of different presentations anyway. Um, yeah. You mentioned uh, good spine position. Now, mm. every time I look at a cyclist, <laughs> it never looks like they're in a good spinal position. So, what mm. does that actually mean? Yeah. So from a in a road bike sense, we're not really um, we we are expecting someone to be in a slightly flexed position. So we're not expecting neutral spine like we might like when we're doing some heavy lifting. Um, there's thoughts, and I, I don't mind this idea, but we, we should well not should aim for, but something similar to the Sydney Harbour Bridge is not a bad uh, curve to have. Um, it's all it's all very dependent on a couple of things like like. Um, relationship between pelvis and low back and between hips and pelvis as well so and again this is actually something i didn't mention before but saddle angle saddle tilt can be a factor as well so we don't really want to see um i guess we, what we really want to see if we're looking at someone from the side is right from the saddle we have a relatively linear curve upwards um it's not it doesn't sort of sh- it doesn't start off quite uh, vertically i suppose at the sacrum and then head more horizontally straight away we want to have that curve right from the saddle up so it's quite a smooth a smooth curve you can see people that are are stuck in what we'd call a posterior tilt so kind of their bottoms tucked Mm -hmm. under um and if that if you can imagine being in that position and then trying to flex forward on the bike you're going to get a lot of hinging happening in that um in that low back and that person yeah they won't last long and and they might muck around with um saddle angle and whatnot and and yeah it's just it, often at the times it's just a bit more of a coaching thing it's just like okay, try and tilt yourself into this position um and yeah and go from there yeah so when you have a cyclist or any type of athlete someone a person in general who has an injury how mm. do you manage them because i mean especially the athletes who want to continue their training um and how often are you telling them to rest yeah, I, I don't. I, I really. I try and avoid. I try and avoid that. That the R word. It's a. It's a dirty <laughs> word. Um, we. I won't we say might, it again then. No, I'm quite offended. Um, so we talk about. Um, I mean, I talk to people about you know, relative rest and whatnot. We I, so rarely um, do I ever would I ever say to anyone, "Okay, we're we are resting completely. We're not going to do anything. Just just chill and don't do anything." Um, very, you know, occasionally, um, and this is looking at the whole body. So someone comes in with something and, you know, very rarely say, okay, don't do anything with any of your body. If they've got something quite nasty, really highly inflammatory that, that's going on, you might um, get them to rest from any sort of lifting or, or perhaps exercise just from a, a whole body systemic inflammatory point of view. But um, otherwise, you know, I, I think we just, we, we often we often try and spin it as, you know, as a, as a bit of a positive. Okay, so we've, we've got this injury. Okay, so your body's let us know something's uh 
something's going on. It's not happy for some reason. So this is a great time now. We can we can focus on on the whys. We can focus on okay, how did this injury come about, and and let's address those. Um, and that might be something around you know around the joint, around the opposite side of them, or whatever the case may be. Um, so we can focus locally there. We can then focus on you know further afield the contributing factors if there are some, which again might be opposite limb, um, you know, something like that. Is it a technique thing? Um, we, and then also, I guess, from other, just other things that perhaps are completely unrelated to the injury, we can go, okay, cool. So we've, we've, we've really been focusing on that sport or that task or, or whatever, but we know that this other activity is beneficial for this. So let's, you know, here's a good window now to, um, you know, to, to address that. And I guess we've got to, you know, at times we've got to be a bit creative with what um, what that person is doing with their their injured site as well. Like with relative rest of the injured site, it might be okay. Well, let's um, maybe let's get you in a pool. Let's get you doing something um, when you're when you're when you're less weighted uh, on that structure. We use a bit of the buoyancy. We can get people on some. There's a couple of or a few treadmills now around Adelaide that are called altered gravity or altered G treadmills. That if it's a running related injury or a stress fracture or something like that, we can actually get that person, um, you know, back running early by um, changing how much you know load or weight they're putting through their joints via those treadmills. Um, but I th- yeah, I do think for most people, rest is a, an absolute last resort. If you've got a left shoulder problem, it doesn't mean you can't use your right shoulder or your legs. If you've got a low back problem, there's a great chance to you know work on core stability, trunk stability, neutral spine. Those sort of um, those sort of movements. It might it might be a change in intensity or volume, but still, you know, you'd be hard pressed to not do, sort of hard pressed to find something that someone couldn't do if they were injured. Yeah, you mentioned technique, and I find technique such. I mean, I'm a massive advocate for it, and anytime I would I would do classes, I'm all over it. But I was talking to. Uh, Dr. Perry Nicholson, who I, I know you know his work. Um, mm-hmm. And it was so interesting because he was saying that um, I think we overuse the word technique and people are almost afraid to do mm. in fear of doing something wrong. So how important is technique, do you believe, in general? And then, and, and then especially when we start increasing load. Good question. Yeah, yeah, I, I really do like Perry's Perry's work. Um, I think from at a, at a high level, at a high level, like sort of a, at, a, at a high athletic or load level, I think really important from an efficiency, um, from a from an optimal optimal transfer of load through the body, whether we're weightlifting or sprinting or, or things like that. I think technique um, is a, is a big deal. I do, but I do I I understand agree that I feel that from you know, if we're taking away that elite level of athlete and, and get back to you know the casual gym goer, the the uh, amateur sport player, the, you know, the the cyclist on the weekend, um, I guess our and, and just and even just just people that do even don't exercise, I feel like the, the you know technique can be a or the um, the specifics I guess of a technique can be a a not a distraction, but a, a disincentive perhaps to do a movement because, oh, I don't know if I've got this technique right. Mm. Um, we, at, at, again, at the elite level, often we see, if we see people, so people's primary thing they come in with is pain, but, um, you know, we certainly see people that might say, okay, well, I've plateaued or I've gone backwards with something. And um, most of the time, and this is more performance-based, most of the time that is technique-based. So we go, okay, so they've, They've used up all their potential they could with that technique that they had, and then we go, okay, well, hold a second. You, you, you know, maybe you can get an extra one percent, five percent, whatever, out of um, you know, something else. Extending that hip a little bit more, pulling that shoulder back, you know, those sorts of intricacies. So I feel like that at that end, it's it's really important. I think from the, I guess, the regular punter, we're more just, I, I would say, technique is less important within day-to-day because we're more just keen on people moving and moving well. And when we say well, it's sort of just as uh, as, as efficiently through range as they can, uh, but not getting too caught up on, okay, well, you've just gone out of, you know, or the hand second, you've gone two degrees into that anterior tilt. Now we, we stop here um, because we don't really live our life like that. Um, when we, if you've got to pick up something from the floor or pick up your child, we don't expect you to have a, a neutral spine, brace trunk when you get in that tissue. You know, like it's not a big deal. 
or picking up that little child. Like we, yeah. we, we, we expect our bodies to be able to, you know, take lots of load in lots of different ways. And I'm not sure what Perry's thoughts are on this, but, you know, certainly there's, there are thoughts these days that because of this, I guess, education about technique and things like neutral spine and how everything has to work, you know, in a very, I guess, um, specific sort of way or, or directed way that when we then go to do kind of what we classify as, I guess, more normal movements, so just flexing the spine or side bending or whatever, that our body isn't used to really going to those positions because we're always braced or always so tense that we're then more prone to injuring ourselves in the day-to-day. Mm. Um, and even... He was also you know, even, basically said, um, yeah, move, move more, move in more ways, uh, in more environments. And yeah, you know, basically reiterating what you're saying is, um, yeah, making sure that your body knows different movements because, because we're capable of it. Definitely. Definitely. That's right. And, and when we go there, we want to be, you know, we want to be able, we want to have gone, we want our body to have gone to places before that it might get taken to unexpectedly as well. Mm-hmm. So people like, um, I mean, Perry's really across that sort of stuff. Ido Portal as well as a, a real movement guy who I remember some of seeing some of his early stuff where he's getting people sort of um, essentially walking. So e- e- what we call everting their ankle or their foot and ankle, but walking sort of on the insides of their feet and then walking on the outsides of their feet and sort of, and this is like sort of trying to turn the ankle as much as you can sort of yeah. into that sprained position and, and just trying to get resiliency and, and trying to get familiarity with that position. So, and, and, and I really like this idea. So then if you do go into that position when you're out bushwalking, trail running, uh, playing basketball, whatever the case may be, um, you've been there before, you know how to adapt to it. The tissue's used to that position and you can bounce out of that. Um, so, That's so interesting. Yeah, he was very, I mean, Ido has been sort of very, yeah, very, I guess, progressive in with that. Um, so even, I mean, even with that sort of classic thing of like the the neutral back and the safe lifting practice, which we're all, I think a lot of people are familiar with, you know, squatting lots of knee bend and all that sort of stuff. Like, there are questions even being asked these days. It, does that really, um, does that, is that really giving us any real benefit, especially when, um perhaps we can't really get to the, do we load other structures besides the back when we try to get into that position because that person hasn't got good hip or knee mobility or ankle mobility. Mm-hmm. So perhaps they end up injuring the, the knees or overloading knees where we could to train the back to bend and to take load through that. And you see there's a, there's a type of lifter, even a type of lift called a Jefferson curl, which is, you know, something that it's not an uncommon lift that you can give out to people. And that's looks sort of like a deadlift essentially, but with a completely uh, flexed spine. And it's not that we say, okay, you can deadlift hundred kilos, just do a, do Jeff, a Jefferson curl of hundred kilos. But certainly we know that um, our tissues adapt really well to, to load and stress put on them gradually over time. Um, and so, you know, even just those lifts and people that can, you know, deadlift heavy there, it's sort of a nice illustration that we don't need to be so scared about flexing our spine or moving in very particular ways um but we just really want people to move yeah how interesting i'm just thinking about that that whole jefferson girl i've never seen it or actually to be perfectly honest heard of it um but even thinking about it freaks me out yeah <laughs> i remember we're not lifting heavy but it's it's to train the tissues yeah i remember a um uh gentleman I did a course with his name was Ari Pekka Lindeberg. Um, it's part of the anatomy trains family. And he came out to Adelaide and, and did a course um, about sort of movement and whatnot. And um, he, he, he was talking about his, and he showed us there how he sort of worked up to hundred kilo Jefferson curls. So we loaded up the bar, we had a hundred kilos there and um, it took, it'd taken him seven years. He'd just been working on it, just chipping away at it. And um, so he could now from a fully f- sort of flexed position with his spine, um, pull that bar up with, um, yeah, minimal hip movement, just spinal movement wow. um, and, and no dramas. And again, like, it's just a nice illustration. Again, we're not saying people should go out and do that right now, but no, it's that, that it is a, it's a legitimate lift that you can, um, you know, train to do and, and shouldn't be afraid to do if your tissues are in, you know, relatively good condition. I find that so interesting. So if, I mean, if you're lifting that kind of load, with your spine in that position, should you then be doing something for the front of the body? Yeah. So 
you definitely should be. Yep. So we we if we're talking about sort of you know I guess balances and whatnot, um, definitely. And I think that's probably one of the big things that we see that create injuries because we've got um, a real dominance on one side and and a little bit like a tug of war really. So the, the a, a certain group of muscles or muscles or tissues are loaded in one way, and then the opposites to the antagonists. Um, uh, are perhaps unloaded, or they, or they just they're, they're not doing much. Um, sort of back on the cycling thing, similar. You know, we we, we talk a lot about curve reversal. So you're you know cycling, you're not in an extended spine position, and you're really at all maybe extended in the neck, but otherwise sort of your low back, your mid back is was all flexed. And with, with with cyclists, we often say, and you and you know you see people that do regular regular cycling that might be doing you know, quite a few quite a few hours a week in the bike on the saddle. Um, we get them doing a lot of thoracic extension, a lot of hip extension, a lot of sort of opposite movements and a lot of strength into opposite movements because, or opposite positions because, um, yeah, we know that tissue, it will take that load in one way, but also if it's not used to going the other way, it, it won't like that either. So, um, you know, we want to, we want to expose the body to both stresses. So, you know, I don't think Ari um, would only do Jefferson girls. Mm. I assume he's doing a lot of, sort of, uh, you know, extension work as well. So a lot of back extensions, a lot of, you know, to have a lot of um, glute and hamstring strength as well. Yeah. Let's get back to your treatments and, and physiotherapy in general. Mm-hmm. What do you believe a physiotherapist should be able to provide? What, what can we expect? Because as you mentioned in the beginning, you said, you know, you guys look, look at the body holistically. Mm. Um, but, you know, as, as a person, as a client, um, before having seen you, to be perfectly honest, I wasn't too sure on, on what to expect from a physiotherapist in general. Like, is it safe to say I just go there for a diagnosis? So, so it's safe to say that is in like, is that what you should expect? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, that, that, that is definitely something you should expect or at least a clear um i guess at least a clear not we don't necessarily labels these days as well can can be good and bad for in terms of diagnosis but we at least want to have a clear well i think well i think a client should leave with a clear understanding of of what's going on so what's like why they've got that pain um i guess what structure is irritated well what structure we think is irritated anyway and why that structure has become irritated um I think I, I think you want when you when you go in there you want um, you want someone that that will do a thorough assessment both from a subjective and objective point of view. So as in, let's get a clear understanding of of your story and where you're at. So you know, you know, basically from a physical sense or from a physical subjective sense. If that makes sense. Um, like okay, when does this bother you? Where does it hurt? How long has it been hurting for? Etc. What sort of characteristics are there? What's your uh, medical history from a, um, a previous injury point of view, any other surgeries, uh, medications, uh, social sort of uh, what's happening at home family-wise, what do, what, what do you do for work physically speaking, what are relationships like at work, those sorts of things. Um, and then and then after that, you know, we, and, and I, guess, I guess really, you know, how it's affecting you, like how is this, yes, it's sore, that's fine, but, you know, is it, is it just, is it a bit annoying and it, you're just a bit sick of it or is it, Oh, I can't, I can't do, do something really meaningful. Like I can't go for my, you know, walk with my girlfriends or ride with my girlfriends that, you know, makes me really happy or I can't play with my three-year-old child because it gives me pain every time or I can't hug my wife because it hurts my shoulder. You know, those sorts of things that um, I guess, you know, that helps to understand how that, that's really affecting that person, I guess, more psychologically. Um, and also, I think probably early on as well, it's worth setting setting out some goals for that for that person. So, you know, what do they want to get, and why have they like? What do they want to get out of coming in here? It's often a question I ask someone. You know, what do you want to achieve? And a lot of the time, people just say, oh, you know, less pain, and I want to be able to you know, get rid of this, and, and that's fine. But they might have other goals. So they might go, okay, well, I'm actually aiming for this marathon or this 5K fun run or, or whatever the case may be um, in a few months' time, and 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 to sort of outline those things clearly so everyone's all on the same page. Um, and then after you've done that, you know, hopefully relatively thorough uh, subjective or chatting to that person assessment, then um, then we want to have a look at how you move, look at what movement quality is like, look at what um, uh, look at different strengths or ranges or uh, um, 
I guess I guess you know every every person's um, every person's different with what they've come in with, but just again get a really good understanding of why the shoulder, why the neck, why the low back is complaining. And and like I was saying before, rarely is it just there that's the issue. It's um it's usually you know a, a, not a fair way away, but it could be next door to it, but um you know in a different area. Um, I think I think from a from an assessment point of view, they're they're the main things. I think you've you've got to you've got to understand what is happening in your body, and I think you've really got to have that to you know to be able to, to be able to fix yourself as well. Um, treatment wise, when you you come in, there's not you know I don't think there's any. I think to be completely honest, I think the assessment is the that's like the, getting the the key assessment. That's the 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 magic thing and that's what gets people better i think to have a clear understanding of, of what thing in your target there's lots of different ways to treat things you can you can massage things you can needle things you can use techniques like strain counter strain visceral manipulation fascial counter strain muscle energy technique um you know so so many so electrotherapy you know there are so many techniques i don't really think there's a there's not a magic technique at all at all i personally kind of prefer the counter strain world because i just think it just for for me it seems to be quite effective um, and relatively I suppose inoffensive to the body that you're that you're treating like it's not really too full on or too brutal we don't really tend to flare people up too much with it um, so again I think probably treatment is is perhaps I don't say it's less important but you could treat someone in completely and or an, in an inefficient area because the assessment hasn't been good and you could do fantastic treatment and it's the best treatment ever but they won't necessarily change that person in the long term because you just haven't done a good assessment in the first place so i think arguably you know that's the that's the key things the assessment and then and then the treatment going forward and and i guess then also the plan um that you put together with the client at the end of the session or at the, whichever session is the initial or the follow-ups and you go okay well now you know this is what we want you to do as well so that person we want that person to take ownership as well so we can't, we, we can't fix you. Like, we're not going to fix you. We can get your body into a position or into a state then it can start to sort itself out. But, you know, we can't see you once a week and go, right, okay, we're going to get rid of this, you know, 20-year back pain without you doing anything else. So it might be a change in activity, like activity modification. It might be change in lifestyle. Like, so it might be diet, nutrition. Again, we probably wouldn't make that call, but we'd suggest perhaps they see someone else. It might be leaving, you know, leaving a, a dysfunctional relationship. You know, again, not that we say that, but... Um, you know, these these might be factors that that are involved, um, and then often we give out maybe a corrective exercise, a movement, or something they've really just got to focus on. We try and keep it to one or two things, really, because you know typically that tends to be, or people tend to be more compliant with with less, and making things I guess relatively simple. You might you know you might need no props. You might need a tennis ball. You might need a, a piece of theraband. That's kind of it. You know, without anything too too dramatic. There are so many sort of cool exercises and whatnot you see on Instagram and whatnot these days, but you know a lot of them are just kind of. Uh, I mean, they look cool and and, and they're fantastic. You know, they 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 achieve things, but we, you don't often need to be so fancy. Just usually the basics work mm. um, quite well. I mean, I have a lot of clients who will come in for for remedial massage, and they'll tell me that they've seen their physio and they've walked away, and they're not too sure of what actually they gained from that session. So is, has the industry, do you think the industry has evolved? Is it missing something? Are you different because of the extensive amount of continued education that you've sought out yourself? Like why, why are you different? Um, well, I don't necessarily think I'm different. I, um, but <laughs> well, I can tell you, you are from a personal <laughs> point. From my client's point of view, who I certainly make sure you know that they're going to see you because, um, because of the way you do assess. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, we we when we like I've graduated sort of ten years ago now, but when. When we went through, and I'm not, to be completely honest, I'm not sure how much this has changed now, but when we went through, it was very, um, I guess, local focused. So um, if you've got, you know, if you see a client with low back pain, you would get them on the table. Um, you'd probably 
mobilize their spine in the sore spot where it hurts. Mm. You might give it a bit of a rub around there as well and then maybe give them some core exercises. This is like a really classic thing you used to do or you were kind of taught to do and then off they go. Um, and I guess I guess looking at that now, and I did, for the first few years, I, I, I um, you know, I guess the well, first couple of years probably more so I was kind of like that as well. But, the, the you know, people, and people get better. Like people are going to get better perhaps anyway. So, you get people that come back in and they're going well. And, and, and was it because of what you did? Maybe was it because they, you know, were able to offload their dramas on you as you're doing that? Maybe that helped as well. Um, or, or was it really just time and they were going to get better w- w- without that? And um, I think, I think these days, I mean, certainly we, we, we have more of an active focus these days. And, and when I say we, the physio profession more so than passive focus. So, we we want to again put that um, I guess put that back on the person to go right. You know we're we're going we're going to get better together. It's not it's not just me doing the work or just you doing the work. You know we're going to be a team and we'll we'll get this. You know we'll, we'll get on top of this thing. Um, I think I think another big factor is is, is there's a bit more of I, I certainly have a bit more of a focus on on educating the client about what's going on and why it's going on and. And we know that if a person has a good understanding of it, I mean that that helps them, that that relax, you know, that mentally they're they're in a better place because cool. Okay, now I now 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 know what's going on. I now I now know why um, that thing is irritated, and and I'll do what I can to avoid those triggers, and and I'll do what I can to um, I guess rehab that going forward. Um, so from a I guess from a client understanding, we know that's really important, but also from a um, I guess with with all the information out there these days on the internet like a lot of the time we can be um or people can perhaps catastrophize a little bit or can look up you know i've got low back pain and i looked it up and, and there are all sorts of diagnoses that will come up when you google google low back pain and and no one really gets on to forums or um, writes articles about i had back pain for two weeks and it resolved and i'm good now or i had back pain for two weeks i did some exercises for three weeks and now i'm fine because that's not a, not not really an interesting story the only stories you'll find are people that have you know had back pain and you know went through saw every every therapist or specialist under the sun ended up with surgery and had all sorts of dramas as a result of that so i think these days we've got to be a lot of what we do is kind of diffusing or or, or just calming that mind down i mean like, okay this is so i guess that client education this is what's going on it's not a big deal we're on top of this um and everything will be okay it will resolve etc so I think probably chatting to a lot of people, you know, like, like as we're treating or as we're assessing, there's a lot of kind of talking going on, a lot of, um, yeah, trying, trying to, I guess, chill, just chill that person out. Like we know things like, oh my gosh, I've never seen anything like this before. I've never seen one this bad. It's the worst scan I've ever seen or <laughs> surgeons. And the amount of times I've had, the amount of times that people that have come in post sort of maybe like a knee clean out, so like an arthroscopy, and they'll come in and almost badge of honorary, like a bit of like, oh, well, you know, the surgeon said this is the worst knee he's ever worked on. And I don't know how many worse knees there are in Adelaide, but there are like every surgeon has the worst knees and every client that sees them has the worst knees. So, you know, this is, this is not really, and I, and I don't think anyone means, you know, it's not, it's not badly or poorly intentioned, but we know from, you know, with that person, that, that's not good for them to think that. Or, or before they're getting it, you know, before they might have some sort of intervention, oh my gosh, the arthritis is so bad in your knee or in your neck or your spine. Well, we know a lot of the times these are, these are things that are really quite normal on findings and people with no pain can have these sorts of presentations as well. So they can have disc bulges, you know, severe arthritis in joints and, and really have no, no symptoms. So again, I think, I think just calming people down, educating them um, um, is, is perhaps, again, more where we've, we've gone. Um, when, when I started as well, I, I worked in practice for a couple of years and then I moved to where I'm now, Adelaide Advanced Physio. And, and certainly the, the, um, the, the physios there and, and certainly James, uh, James McEwen, he had a, he sort of, I guess, opened my eyes to a more holistic look at bodies, again, both from a physical sense in a, well, fr- from a physical musculoskeletal sense to a also different system sense. So, you know, he was sort of, certainly the, the, uh, the guy that sort of started me going, okay, well, this is, yeah, maybe we should look at, uh, yeah, it kind of makes sense to look away from the side of pain and maybe we have a, do have a look at other systems that relate to that person's presentation. So interesting. 
Mm. Well, for those who have seen their physio and have been given exercises to do, what is your message or your advice to encourage them to firstly do the exercises and secondly keep keep doing it consistently? Yeah, um, it's a tough one. It's something that, you know, I, I usually open most clients. I say, how did that, you know, how did that thing go? Uh, whatever we gave them to do. Uh, it was pretty good. It was good for the first week or, you know, first couple of weeks and then I kind of got, got away from it. So, um, it's a tough one. I mean, I think, I think it, again, it comes back to assessment. So I do feel a really, a really good selling point for why that person is doing something mm. is, okay, you can see there's that different side to side or that difference front to back or whatever the case may be. Um, so you, know, you, you can clearly see there is an imbalance here or there's something going on that's not the same, whether it's a tightness, a, a weakness, whatever. Um, so if they can see that, that's often, that's a really good start. So you can go, cool, okay, I have an understanding that I've got to get this to where this other one is. Um, you've then also, of course, got to link that exercise that you get that person to do or, or, or that stretch or whatever it happens to be um, to that objective finding. So, okay, my right hip isn't stable. Okay, why am I doing shoulder press for that? You know, like you're kind of going, okay, well, let's go. And, and look, that could be a valid thing for the right hip. You might do a shoulder press on your left hand and stand on your right leg. And that might, you know, that's certainly going to challenge that right leg. But you know, that's probably a little bit, um, a little bit, you know, a few steps further away than we need to be. So I've got a right, in, right hip instability and I'm working on my right hip by doing a shallow single leg squat against the wall or I'm doing some sort of bridge or, or something like that cool i can see why or how that will help so that's that's i guess the first thing um i guess the other the other thing it needs to be kind of kind of easy from this is from a physio point of view as well so it needs to be kind of easy for that person to be able to do and achievable so if it's something that involves a lot of contraptions and getting to the gym or whatnot and life's just too busy at the moment then it's, we just know it's not going to get done so um i think as well i think you know i would encourage people to get in touch with their physio and say hey I've, I've tried this but it's just i'm either i'm not getting it done because of logistics or it's just too hard or i don't really get why i'm doing it and then you know there are so many different you know ways that we can um you know that we can work in an area that and regressions and progressions and whatnot that we can um yeah we can we can modify things quite easily um habits i guess habit forming as well like if it's something with a cerebrum can, can you just leave that on a doorknob can you do it every time you you know can you do your exercise every time you brush your teeth every time you do a wee every time you do uh, you know something something that you're doing regularly um i thought like that's probably the most valuable in terms of getting people to do their things um and and i guess on that second part about you know if they're just to keep it up or keep it consistent like we do know as well there's there's often, you know, often we see in the rooms, there's a, there's a lag between subjective or, you know, reporting of improvements and objective changes. So um, whilst you might be, you know, fantastic and diligent for the first week or first couple of weeks of your exercise and you're kind of like, well, this is not really, I'm still in the same pain. It hasn't really changed. The amount of times, again, commonly we hear that in the room, but the reassessment of the objective things, so the weakness, the the uh, the range, the whatever the case may be, will have decently changed in the room. And then we're like, great, this is fantastic. Okay, this is really normal. It just takes the, the brain a while because, again, we're still thinking of pain not necessarily as damage but as a warning of potential damage. So you might now be out of that sort of continuing to damage that structure zone and kind of heading more into that, okay, the brain is still hypervigilant. It's still letting you know just to be careful. So you're still sore but you're safe. So you're sort of that safe but sore um in that safe but sore zone and we can see that what you've been doing because you remember how we did this test three weeks ago and you weren't great on that side and now you are isn't that fantastic and you know we'll keep it that all progress you on because you've you know you've, we've ticked that thing off now um and now we expect your subjective or your how you feel within yourself to start to improve as well um i guess the other thing i mean the other thing is well can you can you ask your physio uh what's what's a test i can do you know what is what is something that i can do at home myself we don't want you doing it every day or every hour because probably usually tests are provocative. So they're kind of, they're trying to irritate you a little bit, but um, you know, can I do this test once a week and can I see it myself before I come back in here? Oh, I can see whilst I'm still sore, I can actually see that my range, my strength, my ability to do something is changing or improving. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause when we can measure ourselves and see our own progress, I mean, it's very powerful. 
Exactly, yeah. And it's really kind of, I guess, it's self-affirming. I mean, you feel good about it. You're not wasting your time yeah. um, doing those things. You're like, yeah, no, this is good. I'm, I'm, you know, and, and I guess I mean, I'm confident in that, you know, in the person looking after me. I feel like, yes, we've got this good plan going forward. I'm making changes. I'm, I'm contributing to my well-being and, and getting out of, um, you know, whatever I've seen that person for. And, yeah, I'm back on, back on track back on track i think that's a pretty awesome way to uh end this interview (laughs) patrick thank you so much for chatting with me it's been really awesome thanks jackie thank you very much for having me it's been lovely to chat to you what a legend if you're in adelaide and you want to get out of pain or maybe you've hit a plateau in your training or maybe you just want to learn about your body its limitations and how to move beyond those then Go see Patrick. In fact, any of the physios at Adelaide Advanced Physiotherapy are fantastic. I know James McEwen runs a tight ship there and uh, I really love his philosophy and values around physiotherapy and how to treat. So it's a great place to start. Thanks for tuning in today. If you loved this episode and know someone who could benefit from hearing from it, then please share this with them. Of course, subscribe. And I can't wait to bring you more awesomeness on the next one. So until then, have an awesome day, week, month and year. And here is to a world of bodies built better.